Hey, I'm Ben Silverio. I'm Lavender Vixen. And I'm Ansel Birch. And it's time, time to party! This episode was recorded on October 23rd, 2023. We are not doctors, we don't give medical advice. Please drink responsibly. Hello, party people! We used to play that song in my high school band. Oh, yeah? What did you play again? What instrument? Clarinet. Do you still have it? Yeah, I do, actually. Can we you are still play? To move, and I just found it. I cannot. Oh. I can make it make noise. Can I make it make music? No, no, no. I cannot. You should try to cover our. Do theme I remember song. what any of the buttons do? Probably. Can no, I make I it make so. music? <laughs> you, but you should relearn it so you can play the time to party theme song. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Sounds like a very good use of my time. <laughs> Why not, Ansel? Commitment to the bit. I'm trying to learn the guitar, so I'll learn it on that. I'll do that. We already have it on guitar. <laughs> That's just the regular song. <laughs> That's fair. That that is that is already there. I could oh, I could overlay myself playing it badly on clarinet. There we go. <laughs> Coming up at some point in the future. I love it. Or the past, depending on mm. when you're listening to yeah. this. Yes, party people, we are back and we are better than ever, maybe. Kind of. Because Lavender's here. Because Lavender's here. The amazing. Never that before. The wonderful Lavender Vixen is joining us for the first time this month. Hi, Lavender. Hello. I'm having the best Thanks for time. joining us. This is so much fun. You guys are great. I love talking about movies. Um, I'm a performer here in Chicago. Um, I mainly do burlesque, but I have been like a dancer of all sorts for many years in this city. Um, I got to know my buddy Ben here. We used to do um, every week, like every week we would do a double feature and hang out and watch movies and i think that's a great thing that's a very special tradition and i i love that you did it so consistently it is a beautiful thing friendship <laughs> rainbow lavender is very modest and humble because you know you're an award-winning <laughs> pole performer you're gonna say that. yes oh. literally won awards so we haven't even mentioned pole not, not even, even once, once. <laughs> no yeah i um yes i have like among many you know eras of my dance career i got into um i was doing burlesque here in the city and doing like a lot of gig stuff that you know maybe like three month rehearsal periods for like one weekend show and it just was really taxing for me and i wasn't getting a lot of work so i switched to burlesque um and through that found pole dancing and working as a stripper in a club. And so I do that pretty much full time now. And, um, nice. Yes. I, I incorporate pole into like my burlesque now, um, pretty often. Uh, so I guess what I love to do is take something very like classic or, I don't know, 50s related or something kind of, you know, of a certain era. And then, you know, putting some Cardi B in there or, you know, taking my own spin on it. So. I mean, one production that you were just in uh, involved uh, Twilight, correct? Correct. I worked with um, it was such a cool event. I worked with. um some people from my past actually so like people that i've done modern dance with and like other people that so the organizers are two um like contemporary dancers but um who have worked with this group called the hail marys who was in this competition that ben is referencing that i did win it was at untitled supper club here in the city um mm. there was a call for new artists and so they were the hail marys were top three and i took the took the crown on that one um wow so yeah they they hit me up and they said hey are you available would you like to do this 
Twilight parody show. And it just closed this last weekend. And I was um, a part of a poll trio uh, with... So if you watch the original Twilight movie, uh, I played um, James, who is the, the bad guy. And so it was a cool gender bendy, very like queer production of Twilight. Um, it was highly successful, very fun. Um, the dancing in it was very like high caliber, very, very talented dancers. And we uh, would love to do this again sometime. So I think a year from today will probably be more Twilight related content on my page. <laughs> so. Oh, well, I yeah. look forward to it. Yeah, listeners, you should really twy hard <laughs> to see Lavender perform. That was excellent. <laughs> With the finger guns. Earlier? Please to have been in the room for it. He had a real visual visual impact with that with the finger guns. That the It's true. Podcasting. They know. They can they can feel it. They can feel the like, finger they, guns. They can vibe with it oh, now. Feel the yeah. finger guns is a new tagline as well. Oh wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Lavender that's, Vixen, that's feel, the finger guns. Yeah. feel the finger feel the that's, that's your new t-shirt yes. um, <laughs> Merch <laughs> Earlier today um, Hell in the Handbasket uh, Was talking about Poker Face For something And I started making Gaga song? Yeah, and then I started making Like playing cards jokes <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh So you're saying uh, You're going crazy eights and you just want to fold today <laughs> my heart and club and spades and diamonds are with you <laughs> uh, oh dear how do we get out of oh ben hey what movie did we watch lavender vixen is joining us this month to talk about the new amazon prime video movie totally killer from nanachka khan uh who you may know from fresh off the boat and Young Rock, uh, they are uh, very funny, you know, uh, creator. So uh, to see them do this movie after doing Always Be My Maybe, and then those sitcoms, you know, such a great progression for their career. Um, but yeah, uh, in this episode, we're going to give you our review of the movie, but before we get started, um, let's take a look at the synopsis from our friends at Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, 35 years after the shocking murder of three teens, the infamous Sweet 16 killer returns on Halloween night to claim a fourth victim. 17-year-old Jamie ignores her overprotective mom's warning and comes face-to-face with a masked maniac and, on the run for her life, accidentally travels back to 1987, the year of the original killings. Forced to navigate the unfamiliar and outrageous culture of the 1980s, Jamie teams up with her teen mom to take down the killer once and for all before she's stuck in the past forever. Ooh, spooky. It's a much more in-depth uh, synopsis than IMDb gave us. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes understood the, the assignment. Um, IMDb got a passing grade. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, so I mean, for starters, uh, Lavender, did you like the movie? I really enjoyed this movie. It was so much fun. Equally, I was talking to Ansel about this. I forgot to take notes. I was like, just enjoying it. Um, I think that there was, it was, wasn't making fun of itself. It definitely like referenced a lot of these like time travel movies. Um, and also kind of carved its own place in it. It was just like, all right, we get it. We're going to give you like a, you know, uh, a character that's coming after you, this, this masked creature man is coming after you and you got to figure it out. And I like the mystery element. I like being like, what's next? I was on the you know edge of my seat the whole time. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of Back to the Future, uh, Hot Tub Time Machine, mm-hmm. and Scooby-Doo. 
you know, like um, from the the time travel mechanics from Back to the Future, and then they kind of like riffed on it, and then the unconventional time machine, you know, from Hot Tub Time Machine. Also, they went back to the eighties and mm-hmm. met their younger selves, you know, or acted as their younger selves, I guess. Um, but then Scooby Doo, that mystery element of like, who is this killer? You know, um, that was all very woven together very well. Um, Ansel, this movie puts podcasting in a specific light. How did you feel about the, um, the very specific podcast about this town and killer and the things that happen uh, to those characters involved with the podcast. I guess we can talk about spoilers at this point now because yeah, it's a, we're this reviewing, is the review. We're, we're getting into getting it. Into yeah, it. we're all full spoilers ahead. If you needed a warning, uh, well, here that's that's what you got. This is what that's, you get. That's what this um, is. I I have been in podcasting for a shocking amount of time. Every time I think about it, I am myself shocked, and uh, I I gotta say I think they nailed it. Uh, and they nailed it for two reasons. One is like the, the kind of mindset that a podcaster needs to have going in is to take themselves seriously in hopes that their podcast takes off and that their listenership pays attention. And so like the, the, the full faced, uh, uh, intentionality that we get from the podcaster character uh, is is right on the money. He sees himself as a journalist. He has to think of himself as a journalist to do the job well. And he, I mean, if people are coming to the town in the masks to take his tours, then he's doing fine as a podcast. Like, that's, that's pretty successful if you're able to sell tours to your podunk town based upon the podcast you've been running. Um and obviously he doesn't want to lose that and so on and so forth. There's the motive. But uh, I think there's also a big conversation going on around. I don't think there is a big conversation going on around uh, the sort of uh, exploitative quality of uh, all of these true crime uh, podcasts that are out there and how they sensationalize the real human tragedy of the situation and don't fully take into account the emotions of the people involved and the ways that the uh, the attention that they're bringing might negatively impact the people who are living those lives um, in a way that professional journalists would hopefully know better than to do. Now, is that to say that professional journalists aren't also doing that? No, look at Dateline. Yeah. <laughs> we we've got we've got plenty of professional journalists sensationalizing murders for for the cash dollars. Um and maybe that's the bigger question is like how do we want to cover murders in in the future? How does how does a civilized society treat this fascination that we have with people getting murdered? Uh and how do we either sate that desire or be- prove our better selves through it? Um, but all that being said, I think it's a very accurate and reasonable uh, portrayal of that genre of podcasting. Uh, as well as, again, like, that's a podcaster who is objectively doing well, who does not see himself as doing well and is not being respected for it. So, like, I don't know. I, I felt... I felt seen enough in that. Like <laughs> that's that feels that feels right. Well, I, um, I hope that our podcast isn't driving you to commit murder. Uh, you know, not so far. Yeah, not you know not of. yet. Like no that promises. You know of. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've been gone for a few months. I don't know what what, what people have been up to, right? <laughs> yeah, it's Chicago's a wild place, man. <laughs> So uh, let's talk about the main character, Jamie. Um, she's played by the phenomenal Kiernan Shipka. Um, have either of you uh, consumed any of her other work? 
before this. Yeah. I mean, she was in that Sabrina show. I think that was like the first thing that caught my, I was like, yes, I've seen that. Like she was so good in that. And she's so much older now. Like, yes, people age. Wow. Crazy. (laughs) Um, I think that she has like the most, like she has the most expressive face. And I am so excited to see what she does, you know, in the future as well. Um, very good. Absolutely. She has a very commanding presence, um, on screen. Um, and she can definitely hang, uh, with the best of them, I think. And, you know, uh, her mom in the movie is played by two phenomenal, uh, actors. Uh, first, the older version of her mom is, uh, oh my God, I was going to say Claire Dunphy, um, yeah, I mean, she is Claire Dunphy, but the the actress's name is Julie Bowen. Veteran performer, um, has been, you know, killing it for a long time. But I know that most people will know her from Modern Family. And her comedic chops are just, like, next level these days. Like, she's top-tier talent. But uh, on, the, on the flip side, the younger version of Jamie's mom uh, is played by Olivia Holt, a uh, former... Well, I, I guess I could say former at this point since the show is canceled, but former Marvel superhero Olivia Holt. Mm. Uh, she was in Cloak and Dagger, and that was the first time that I saw her. And then that crossed over into Runaways, um, which are two very underrated Marvel Cinematic Universe shows um, that people don't talk about enough, and I highly recommend checking those out. But also, more recently, she was in Cruel Summer, uh, which was this great freeform show. Um, and, you know, she's definitely getting more opportunities uh, because she's earned them. You know, she's uh, in our first episode, we were talking about like the Brat Pack and this like, you know, this crop of young actors who are just killing the game. Right. And I, I feel like Kiernan Shipka and Olivia Holt are among them, you know, uh, they really shine in this movie, especially as mother daughter, you know, once they realize that, that they're mother and daughter. Um, but yeah, they're super fun. Um, Olivia Holt's character is part of the group, the Mollies. Uh, and in our first episode, we talk about how we want you to take a shot out of respect for Molly Ringwald. Uh, and that's because of this group. They are all, like the popular girls you know and they're all dressed like different molly ringwald characters i think that's a really fun touch right like what a what a very specific choice to make absolutely uh it 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 reminded me a lot of uh never been kissed um classic because if you recall yeah remember those uh those popular girls where one of them was jessica alba and they were all bar- different Barbies. Nuh-uh, I'm Disco Barbie. For... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, talk about movies that uh, that haven't aged well in some instances. Because, like, I mean, we were talking about Ducky and Pretty in Pink in episode one. But, I mean, Never Been Kissed is kind of a creepy premise now, too. Right? Because, like, the teacher yeah. basically falls in love <laughs> with his student. Yeah. Even though she's not really a student, she's a journalist. But she, to him, she's a student. Mm-hmm. Yep. Things and... that don't age well. Yeah. And I mean, most of the 80s. <laughs> true. 80s and the 90s. <laughs> and but, the 70s. Sure. Oh, the 60s had some rough. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love 13 going on 30 that had also had that like girl. They always had the side ponytail and I feel like they had a name to their group too. That also goes back to the Heathers. Yes. You know, iconic um, movie. Yes, absolutely. Six chicks. Six chicks. Yes. The six chicks. (laughs) There can't be a seventh (laughs) six chick. Yep. That that was the whole gag. whole gag. But I'm and then Tom Tom ruined uh-huh. everything. Tom Tom. Did remember when, uh, as millennials, you wanted to be thirty, flirty, and thriving, and uh, we didn't get any of that? Oh, now I'm just in pain. <clears throat> My back hurts. 
and give me give me off my feet. <laughs> Sad, broken, aware of my existential crisis. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what the merch should actually say. Like I'm I'm fully prepared for my 40s to be my prime because 30s is just hurting. It is. It's gotta be right. Our 40s have to be our prime. Yeah. We we get a prime, right? Somebody somebody <laughs> promised me a prime. I turned thirty. I know, right? I turned thirty, like, and then the day after was just like, oh, you're just gonna have back problems now. <laughs> oh, the day I me? turned thirty, I had back pain. Oh, I was just like, oh, it happens yep. that quick. <laughs> yep. You, the check engine light comes on, <laughs> and it's all it's all downhill from there. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I see these uh, Instagram influencers who like come to fitness late in life and I'm just like, oh, maybe I'm one of those people. And then I'm just like, when am I ever motivated to do something active? Yeah. <laughs> Not since Pokemon Go have oh, I been so motivated to go walking. Mm -hmm. Right. You like need I... someone to trick you into going outside for a walk. Maybe so... the... Uh... Yeah, I'm convinced that uh, if I were to get a Disney Disneyland annual pass, that would be tricking me into like being more active because I will gladly walk around a Disney park from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. all day just on my feet and drinking overpriced drinks and eating delicious overpriced snacks. Um, but yeah, 20,000 steps each visit you know <laughs> mm -hmm. that is wild like it's got to balance out somewhere right <laughs> yeah i took a like a ghost i took uh my partner and i we did a ghost tour around my neighborhood and it was this oh. podcast that it's two guys and one of them lives in like new orleans now and of course like my you know my partner is in the theater and like has done a lot of things in theater and uh tv and movies and they of course knew both of them from from like theater days and i'm just like used to it at this point um but yeah we walked like 10 miles that day it was crazy something like that Woof, it was 10 miles okay maybe i'm exaggerating but you know it was a lot it was a lot <laughs> um yeah it was great it was it was so cool to hear about different like buildings like there was buildings that were made mm. from the like prohibition era and so there's like you know tavern like there's hidden taverns like below the floorboards when you know prohibition was going on like in chicago mm -hmm. it's like neat i'm like i want to see it and i want to say hi to a, a ghost that comes and drinks at the bar well good news chicago's got a lot yeah, of that. apparently it's a very oh, yeah. haunted city even the dead don't want to leave <laughs> no <laughs> Always coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. Ever. No, I'm just kidding. Because I got to see you guys. Yeah. You'll be back, Ben. Or you could I'm all just... Y'all could just come here. It's, you know... <laughs> Every time I talk to Ben, it's like, a, so when are you coming out? <laughs> <laughs> I have been talking to a lot of people from LA. Like, I heard about that um, Hollywood Cemetery event. Mm -hmm. um not through you through someone else just like a oh, wow. there was a customer at the club i work at and like he was from la and i just like i spent a good like hour and a half just talking to him about like different attractions around la that he liked and i'm making like mental notes about it like i have learned so much about our dear country just by talking to random men in strip clubs <laughs> i have like a roster in my head of things to do at any given city at any given time love it mm -hmm. gotta start putting right. that to, to good use yeah do you write it down like make a make a google uh map that people can use yeah or something. it'll it'll be like that one um elizabethtown is about it's like they go like she takes she's like a trap she's a, tr a woman who travels so she makes this map for him to follow to back to like he goes to Elizabethtown, but then he meets up with her at this other random place. And that's how the movie ends. Spoiler alert. Like she creates okay. this like book of places. Like as you, as you travel, here's a, a mixtape. Remember a mixtape? You put that in your car and oh, like, what a time roll the windows down at this point. Cause you can smell like the fudge through this town and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, that's, 
that's what I wanted to be when I was in high school. I was like, I want to be that cool. I want to make a mixtape and a a road trip map for someone. <laughs> you still can. Yeah, There's still, still time. time. But I always come back to Chicago. You have it's the true. Skills. As much as I travel, I always come back, and so do the ghosts. You know, speaking of really like haunted cities, uh, New Orleans was just like oh, yeah. the second you step in there and you feel the vibes of all the the past uh, inhabitants of that city. I remember going on a, a walking ghost tour there, uh, but it was also a pub crawl. So we were drinking <laughs> while learning about all of the, the ghosts and ghastly murders that happened and crimes that happened throughout the city. <laughs> all the pirates. So many pirates. So many pirates. A shocking number of pirates. The One of the oldest bars in America is uh, Lafitte's, um, which was a, a, a regular pirate hangout. Highly recommend it uh, if you're in New Orleans. So many good times in New Orleans. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, like we, we've mentioned, uh, we were just so entertained by Totally Killer that it was hard to make notes. Because, you know, I, and I think part of that is that this is a, a throwback in, in a way, not just because of, like the movie going back to the 80s not just you know like replicating the classic slasher time travel tropes and things like that but the runtime was reminiscent of a a bygone era because this was this movie was like just over 90 minutes right and uh it was lavender who actually said it was like a movie of bits so i'm wondering what were some of your favorite bits from the movie it's mm. a very good question i think my one of my favorite scenes was this like dodgeball scene <laughs> um <laughs> just because they went so hard like oh, they yeah. choreographed that dodgeball scene they're like okay we're gonna get into a studio and like this person's going to dodge this direction while the other one, it's just was, it was so intense for no, for no apparent reason uh, other than just the delight of the trauma that comes from dodgeball from our past. I mean, what a great way to introduce her mom, uh, Jamie's mom as a teenager than uh, getting pegged in the face with, by a dodgeball from her mm -hmm. mom, but her also utter disregard for human life put on display. Right. But Jamie's reaction to dodgeball also was like, what? We're doing what? And I'm like, do kids not play dodgeball anymore? I had the same response. Yeah. It's so funny because she clearly was so athletic, you know, like in like her character had like been in like self-defense classes because her mom put her in these self-defense classes. Mm -hmm. So I like her like utter just like rejection of any kind of sports or activities was really funny to me because i'm just like <laughs> I, I looked forward to dodgeball when i was a kid like when i was i was like yeah dodgeball day because i don't know about you guys but like my like we did archery we did like um i don't know we did like flag football which was always my least favorite because i really didn't care for it it was like just a chance for like a lot of the guys to be like flexing and doing you know and mm -hmm. i was just pulling up grass or whatever <laughs> sitting down <laughs> but dodgeball was my was my favorite uh for me it was dodgeball or floor hockey oh. where we would like sit on the the little squares on wheels and yes. with a tiny hockey stick oh yeah forgot about that yeah and then somehow we managed to talk our gym teacher into letting us play knockout like every other class like it was just an excuse to hang around the gym for a period, basically. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just now uh, having a flashback and remem remembering that I had one gym teacher who continually came up with new iterations of dodgeball that involved like building forts out of the gym mats and having like 
different positions like you could be you could be a medic and you'd have to like run out from behind the fort to go get your downed dodgeball player oh and it's just now occurring to me that like man that person really put in a lot of effort that i did not give a fuck about as a kid yeah right (laughs) i wonder where that gym teacher is now maybe an actual medic maybe (laughs) or or a game master yeah, Maybe a very, game. Yeah, very like DM vibes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh my god. Uh, I I was told about a Frasier fantasy game earlier today, and I made the joke. Uh, I hope that instead of a game master, it's a cork master. And apparently, that was too deep a cut of a Frasier reference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, full of those. Um. One of my favorite bits uh, was when they were talking about uh, one of the Mollies just giving blowjobs in the House of Mirrors. Mm-hmm. And the way that they... That was uh, her comfort. Was like, yeah, exactly. Just, I'm just going in to give a blowjob. <laughs> but the the way that they phrased it, just like I had to write it down. I, uh, they said, uh, you know, casual beige in the uh, dollhouse of horrors. Yes. <laughs> Casual, a casual beige. A beige. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll never like, look at a beige on Frise the same way again. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I don't know, something about the way that these kids talked, like, in the 80s, and, like, even, even Jamie, you know, they all had, like, some great, like, uh, slang vernacular, you know? I'm trying to remember some. When... Pam was asking Jamie about the future. She br- brings up Terminator, um, and she was just like, "Oh, did uh, did the robots, you know, take over?" Oh yeah, is this and, what happens? <laughs> and Jamie's like, "No, you know, uh, <laughs> we she just kind it... of become dependent on them and uh, make us dance." Like through basically, she was talking about TikTok, and Pam was like. They use dance against us. They use dance against us. Yeah. So um, God, that was so funny. Yeah, just little moments like that were just like super enjoyable. I love the reference to like they were watching RoboCop. It was that one scene from RoboCop that, like, we all remember. Just this like that one guy showed up to the work that day, and he he died of many deaths in that you know boardroom <laughs> that day. <laughs> He died for all of us. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> um, another thing that I wanted to note, uh, you know, like, because this movie is a mashup of, like, horror and, like, teen movies and time travel movies, like, it really takes a lot of tropes from all of those genres. But one of my favorite tropes of the teen movie is the epilogue, like, that shows pictures and what they're up to. You know, like, at the end of Animal House, like, this person became a senator and things like that, you know? Um, And they did that here, but instead of just, like, making it generic, it was the book that, um, that, um, that Lauren gave to uh, Jamie at the end, Um, you know, Amelia's mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, to catch her up on all of the things that changed in the timeline. And I thought that was a very nice touch while also giving a lot of like really cool closure and a lot of like a fun. It was like uh, leaving the theater happy, you know, like it was a fun moment, especially when she found out that her name's not Jamie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and her I brother's like that... name is Jamie. <laughs> so good. And I like that her time travel had consequences but at no point was that not the goal, right? It's not like uh, a lot of other time travel movies where they're like, try try desperately not to d- touch, don't touch anything. Uh, the butterfly effect will ruin everything. Only change the one thing. This one was like, no, she's going to tell everybody everything. Mm-hmm. And just when, the, when she gets to the future, hopefully it's still okay. Um, yeah, they tell her like... Um... They're like, oh, your your phone's gonna die because her phone was a big part of like her getting mm-hmm. back to the future, uh-huh. and ah, uh-huh. uh-huh. and um, yeah, and so she's like, 
She's like, okay, well, what if I don't make it to this place at this time before my battery dies? She goes, oh, well, we have a chemistry test on Monday, so mm-hmm. study. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, yeah, you don't die. You don't just, like, disappear, you know? And I feel like that was, I think it was a reference to, like, Back to the yeah, Future because he starts to, like, you know, disappear in the movie. But, like, she's like, no, you just live here now. Like, you just exist you yeah. know, you don't have a birthing story, essentially. You don't have any parents. Yeah. You uh, you experience time travel the old-fashioned way. <laughs> One second per second. <laughs> exactly. Well, and the, <clears throat> the other threat was if you fuck this up and you go back to your time, no one will know who you are because you don't exist there. It's yeah. a wonderful life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you did briefly touch on the time travel mechanics. Now... The, the the cell phone did become a very integral part to it because of the GPS. How did y'all feel about their explanation of the the method of time travel? Like, did it all make sense? Did you question it at any points? Was it kind of like, oh, is this just techno babble? What 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 were your thoughts? I thought it was just like funny how there's there's the token like nerd who like was like. Oh, like, how much have you read about quantum physics? Oh, no, mm-hmm. nothing? Okay, moving on. So it's like, we are her in that moment. <laughs> we are being explained that we are dumb. We don't know. And that's okay. I'm like, I love just being like, okay, let's move the story forward. I don't, I'm, I am, you know, breaking that fourth wall. I am, I am, I'm there with you, you know, suspend disbelief here and just like follow mm-hmm. it. <laughs> in a similar way, I thought that the time machine itself was giving us that same message. Like, the time machine was, like, LED uh, rope light and a photo booth (laughs) and some, like, glass shit, and that was it. Aside from the control panel, there was nothing that made it look like an actual time machine was happening. It was just, like, blinky lights in the thing. And I think it it was brilliant to do it in that way so that we all went, ah, okay, so that's your time machine. Cool, there's... There's not more to learn here. Keep your brain moving on to the story. That's yeah. And they how she did it... it is not what this is about, right? And when they did talk about how she did it, they made it a point to be like, no, it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. It's what's on the inside that makes time travel possible. You know, because like in the <laughs> in the end, Amelia like remakes the the time machine from the present, right? But she makes it with a uh, video game cabinet. Like, I want to say it was like a time crisis type of video oh, game probably. cabinet, you know, um, but I didn't write uh, it down, but probably. Yeah, I don't remember which game it was, but, you know, it's old school arcades, you know, <laughs> but yeah, it, it it's not like it's a, a DeLorean or a phone booth or a police box. You know, I don't think that the time machine is going to become iconic like these other time machines. But it works in a very similar fashion to H.G. Wells' time machine and Dr. Farnsworth's uh, time machine from Futurama. You know, it's just stationary in this one spot and time kind of moves around you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I thought I, I thought that was an interesting uh, approach and it, it served the story well, for sure. The graphics of, like, how, like, yes, it was, like, the actual time machine itself was really kitschy and, like, like, you could see the LED lights in there and stuff like that. But the, like, the the way that they showed the actual time travel part was very, I was like, that is so cool. Like, they kind of, like, pulled these sections apart and, like, they didn't warp her in any way. She just kind of stayed as she was. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there's this, like, kind of ongoing thing with like her jacket you know it's her mom's jacket and she's wearing it because it's like cool and mm-hmm. it's like this hand-me-down and then she fits right in in the 80s you know by wearing this like vintage jacket um so i think they yeah they they did what they could with what we have knowledge of time travel and like you know I and they i did mean a great job the purpose of this podcast is to talk about the time travel elements of movies, but mm-hmm. this is also a horror movie. And I mean, I'm not a super horror fanatic or anything, but like, did you find it uh, to be, um, was it adequate as a horror movie as well as a time travel movie? 
I think so. I I think that there. I think if you like slasher films, I think you will find this to be enjoyable. Like in 2023, making something, uh, you know, in the in the light of like Game of Thrones, that's super super gory. You know, I think that they really did. You know, they call them like they call these murders the Sweet Sixteen killings because they're sixteen, but stabbed also him. that they've been stabbed sixteen times. And they really do go in and show pretty much the length of those stabbings. And so mm-hmm. you get a lot. I remember like that very first scene with their mom, with her mom. Um, and I was like, damn, you know, and I like cracked up when she's like, I've been preparing for this since I was 16, like prepared to be murdered around every corner. And she like, she like pulls this like shelf apart and there's like a hidden gun in this mm-hmm. compartment. I was like, go off. Like, let's and, go. And mace taped under the coffee table. And yes. Yeah. And she like, yeah. So I think that there was something to say about that too, of just like powerful women, like taking back me like, no, I'm going to fight to the bitter fucking end, you know? And um, I think there's something to be enjoyed if you like, slasher films i think also there is this kind of like really it's being it's like beloved of this like 80s slasher film right like i feel like a lot of people really have either very strong opinions or they're willing to go down this ride of what an 80s slasher film means and the formula that it takes Mm -hmm. and so i think making a, a movie like this in 2023 it was like all right, they know what they're dealing with. They they accepted the challenge ahead of them. And I think it holds up in a, in a lot of ways. But also if you're like me who I'm like I'm a little I'm a little queasy when it comes to a lot of gore <laughs> and I I could handle it. I was like this is it's okay because we had those moments of being like, yeah, you're fucking badass. You're not going to you're not going to, you know, just lay down and take it. You're going to like fight back, you know. So It almost felt like um you know, not not Definitely not a Disney uh, Channel original movie, but like a Nickelodeon original yeah. movie, you know, where it like upped a bit, but then, you know, with cursing and sex and casual beaches, you know, like <laughs> it, it was almost like uh, like uh, revisiting that era of like American Pie, you know, but with like not as creepy connotations, you know, like not dudes just being creepers. Um, even though, uh, I mean, I mentioned this before about how, how Jamie was just making, pointing out everything that was problem problematic, but it wasn't like an overdone joke. Like it was just like a, Hey, things have evolved. Things have changed. And this is how maybe you should reconsider this thing. Like it, it, it was, it was done in a way that it didn't really beat you over the head with it. So it didn't become tiresome, you know? Yeah. I would say that's one of the big compliments I would give to this movie, among many others. Uh, but they, they showed a rare element of self-restraint. Um, and you were talking earlier about Hot Tub Time Machine. And I think that where Hot Tub Time Machine went completely gonzo with their like, we're in the 80s now. Whoa, look at the size of the... Of the cell phones. Quick, what color is Michael Jackson? Those, you know, 80s jokes that were like a good third of the film. Uh, You know, this this movie walked towards that line enough to give us the joke without beating it over the head. And I think they did a similar thing with the gore. They showed just enough restraint that it was like, yes, this is this is a slasher film. We're going to stab them 16 times. Here's the fight scene. There's lots of blood. We're not going to cut away. We're going to do extended uh, choreography scenes, and and you're going to love it because we are showing restraint in all these other regards. Um, so yeah, I think that was really really well done on their part. Yeah, and yet there is still room for Randall Park to make the joke of uh, "Oh, I hate time travel movies." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't look straight into the camera for that. I know, right? <laughs> There's probably a take with him doing it. Um, I would also love to talk a, a little bit more about the characters of Amelia and Lauren, because I think that they... I think it's sad that they didn't get more screen time, because yeah. arguably... I mean, aside from our person doing the travel being Jamie, 
the hero of the movie or heroes of the movie in many regards should be the team of Amelia and Lauren across time, building time machines, sending this girl back and forth, saving the day, interpreting the changes. You know, the two of them really did carry all of the mechanics of the film. Um, and I, yeah, I just wanted to get your opinions on, on the two of them and their arc. Hey, you know, women of color constantly get uh, the the short mm-hmm. end of the stick when it comes to being the hero, right? Like, there's always that uh, uh, knight, or <laughs> yeah, knight knight in in shining armor that ends up being a white person, mm-hmm. and, the white savior well, thing, yeah, yeah, exactly. While uh, while the people of color are making uh, the dream work, you know. Um, but yeah, I uh, totally agree that they should have gotten more screen time. They were always working on the time machine, uh, and like that was it. That was where they were. But you know, without them, it wouldn't have worked uh, on either end. You know, in the present or the past for Jamie. Yeah, I thought that you know Amelia's character too. Like our first look at her is like. Like, oh, she, she just stopped. She just stopped researching her science because she figured it out. You know, no one's figuring out how to do time travel. This is the first time it's happened in this, you know, universe that we're placed in. And, like, I was curious of why. Like, why did she stop? And then her daughter is just like, oh, I'm going to pick this up and continue this work, you know? And, um, like, how they... Um, uh, and then, like, you know, when you kind of, at the end of the movie, when everyone's returned to the same dimension, like, they look, they look more fresh. Like, you know, like, she she looks so beaten down, like the mom, like Amelia's character just looks kind of, like, worn out. And, like, I was curious about, like, why that happened. Like, maybe she had been rejected by, like, you know, maybe NASA or different science, like like universities or anything like that to do this Mm -hmm. research and you know and now she looks like more fresh-faced and like because she like has this like stronger bond with her daughter maybe so i think that there's there's multiple things about um like relationships between moms and daughters in this movie too that i think there's also an empowerment element to it because she talks about how she never showed that notebook to anybody yep and i mean this could just be me projecting but um, I feel like for uh, for Lauren, it was like one of those instances where someone along the lines was just like, yeah, you know, you're really passionate about this thing, but why don't you just do this other thing to survive? Mm-hmm. You know, and then suddenly the the thing that was supposed to be temporary to survive turned into your whole thing. So it kind of like beat out the the passionate part of you that wanted to do the 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 more far-fetched thing. So, you know, once she got caught up in that grind, she just, like, started to get grinded down, you know? But then when Jamie traveled back in time to, like, prove that, like, hey, your your passion project works, like, it's a real thing. Like, when you have that kind of encouragement or that kind of, you know, result, like, I think that definitely... um, takes a a weight off your shoulders right it's like Mm -hmm. oh you know this thing's gonna work out so let's let's keep going you know um but we don't all have the uh the benefit of a time traveler coming back to tell us that it works out okay yeah i've been 35 years in the future your idea super works (laughs) maybe that's what we need we need a, a service where you can hire someone to at some point reassure you that your future self is super successful at something just so you're like all right it will work that already exists western union (laughs) western union (laughs) he's alive the doc's alive he's in the old west but he's alive alive. oh my god always goes back to the back of the future always gotta bring it back as well it should i guess that just leaves one last question you know was totally killer worth your time I loved it. I had I had the best time watching it. I I don't know if I would have found it if it wasn't for like us talking about it and talking about time travel movies. Um 
because I was looking for something that I was like, what am I going to talk about? Like, what? And like, oh, there's this new movie coming out. And it just happens to be in like kind of spooky season, you know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. Halloween is coming up as of the time of this recording. Um, And, you know, I was like, why not? And I was pleasantly surprised in a lot of ways. I thought there was going to be a lot more like, I don't know, camp to it. And it was actually more like, this is a true storyline that we can follow and it's not it's not overly gimmicky, you know. Yeah, they played right. it straight for the most part. I would recommend it. Likewise. I completely agree. Totally worth our time. I totally wish that Amazon would put more money behind the advertising because like if you're going to acquire these movies for exclusive streaming releases, you might as well promote the hell out yeah, of them. T- tell people I mean, that you have it well all right party people that does it for our review of totally killer uh again you can watch it right now on amazon prime video um you can find us on the internet i'm at b silverio 20 on instagram x threads blue sky the side of the road billboard probably i don't know uh, everywhere that's probably not X anymore, but you know, thanks for ruining it, Elon Musk. I'm Lavender Vixen, I'm at Lavender Vixen, that's V Y X N on Instagram. I'm a very visual person, so come check me out there. And I am at the indecisionist on Instagram, Blue Sky, uh, Threads, Facebook you know, all the, all the meta properties. This has been an Indecisionist production. Find more information about the show, show notes, and full transcripts of every episode from season three at indecisionist.com. Cool. If you want to join in the conversation, you can use the hashtag on the platforms that still use hashtags. Um, hashtag time to party. That's time the number two party. As well as time the number two party all spelled out. Thanks for uh, Yay, Warwick. Uh, And uh, next week, we'll be coming at you with our edutainment episode where we take a very shallow, shallow dive, dive. (laughs) extremely shallow dive into some form of, you know, uh, technology or some such that we found interesting from the movie. Maybe you'll learn something. Maybe you won't. But <laughs> at this point, it's Schrodinger's cat, right? You'll, yeah. you'll never know until you tune in. So you got to do that. Until then, uh, be excellent to each other. And party on, dude. This is your line, Lavender. And party on, dude. Nice. Yeah. I just I just saw that the slogan for this movie is Burger is so 1987. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.